Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Thank you for joining us today. I have so many reasons to say thank you. Thank you for your cards. Thank you for your thank you notes for the books we've been sending out. Uh, we have some of the Wilson books left, not many. So if you want one or all three of Sandy Wilson, Dr. Sandy Wilson, please feel free to send us an email and we'll get them out to you ASAP. We thank you for sharing with us in this season of your sending us your friends and my having introduced you to a number of my friends. I have one friend left to come to visit, and I'm not sure when that'll happen, but we'll just drop it into whatever is going on in our current series or topics. I suppose by now you recognize that I do often start a series but then I often interrupt it for something else that I feel inclined to talk to you about. I thank uh, the Lord for this work and for your financial investments in this work, but mostly I thank you for the kind of things that are affirming to the work I do. We have a great team at Modern Homemakers. They make great sacrifices to keep all of the stuff that's necessary stuff, technological apparatus running. And they're a great team. You met some of them a few weeks ago. But you continue by sending notes of affirmation to affirm the work we do. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, the most recent email that touched me deeply was a single woman who's 30 years old. She described her life and it was several paragraphs long, just lovely. And then she said, and sometimes I just feel like I'm keeping company with you. And I love that. I thought, I hope that we are a ministry that helps you feel comfortable and that you can find our company, not only company that's enjoyable, but encouraging. We have been talking uh, with some regularity about what's going on in our country and how we are to respond in kindness and love our enemies. And I was recently looking because someone had asked me about the series of training the will of your child. We did 24 hours of teaching in the four main areas that we try to encourage women in who they are, woman of faith, who they are as a wife, don't we need encouragement there? Mother, yes, a lot of children went off to college this year. And homemaking. And that homemaking thing has really been a challenge for my husband and I. We moved a year ago. <laughs> we sold our house a year ago. And it was just a few nights ago that I said to David, a few more days and I'll have the pictures hung and we'll be home. And I thought it took, it really did take us a year to pack, to unpack, to remodel, to go through the pandemic. And here we still are, but home. And how hard is it to keep a home when everything is everywhere? And now you have so many of your family members at home. I talked to a young woman a couple of days ago who said, my husband has his office in the downstairs bathroom. His desk is in front of the shower. My second child, she has five children, I think. My second child has his study area in the master bedroom closet. 
and all the children are sharing rooms, of course. Anyway, she described it as there wasn't a square inch anywhere that people uh, weren't studying, working on their computers, or doing the work that God had given them to do. And she's trying to keep corral of all of them. So I've been thinking about prayer quite a lot. I think I've been praying more. Hmm. I wonder if that's really true, but I think it is. I think I've been praying differently. So in that process, I went back to a prayer that I've often taught. As a matter of fact, I've taught it enough times. I've called it Hannah's Prayer. I also called it once two women who were at odds with one another. Boy, were they at odds with one another. And it's quite a familiar passage. And I'm just going to give you the highlights of the passage and then tell you what I think this prayer is about. And it's a different insight than the insights I've previously had. So Hannah, who is Samuel's mother, is married to a man whose name is Elkanah. And he's quite well-to-do. And she and he have been married for a while, and they have had no children. And so because they've had no children, Hannah decides to give her maid, her chamber person, to her husband so that he can conceive a child. So Peninnah becomes Elkanah's second wife. And the scripture is very, very clear. It says something very simple. Peninnah had all the children and Hannah had none. (laughs) I thought to myself, well, that's very clear, isn't it? And we know the story now. We know the story that Hannah couldn't have children. She gives the handmaiden to her husband. Her husband agrees. And now, well, what happens then is that uh, Peninnah is very unkind to Hannah. Uh, Can you just imagine it? We've been talking about unkindness that we see on the TV screens and on the presidential debates and rolling of eyes and contemptuous. You just can imagine. I I remember, I think, saying this some years ago when I taught this. It was kind of she was going through the house saying, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I have all the children and you don't. And more than that, it's, it's so heartfelt because Hannah is so desirous to have a child. Well, once a year, they go up to the temple and offer sacrifices. And this year... Eli the priest. Now remember Eli's name because he's the priest of the temple and he has some sons and Eli fits into the story of Hannah for the next few chapters of her life. So Eli is watching Hannah in prayer at the temple. And while she's there, she's crying and she's brokenhearted and she Praise this prayer. O God of the angel armies, if you'll take a good hard look at my pain, you'll quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son. I'm reading this from Eugene Peterson's devotional message Bible. I'll give him completely unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. That's her prayer. What do you think about that prayer? What do you think about that prayer? Well, I can tell you that I've read that prayer many times, and I have many thoughts about it, and I have many thoughts about the story around it. 
I, I have thoughts that remind me that at one point, her husband, Elkanah, comes to Hannah when he finds her crying and weeping, and he says to her, am I not better than ten sons? And I think, no, honey, you're not. Like any woman will tell you if she's agonized to have a child, any woman who meets another woman, there are some things women say to each other. Mm, it's that time of the month. I'm pregnant. I just had a baby. My baby needs to be weaned. I'm, these things are things that are common to women. And a man just listens. I'm not sure what he hears. For him to say, is he not better than 10 sons? He like a doesn't get it. And I often think when I read that again, that's why I'm such a proponent of deep friendships. That's why I want you to invest in a handful of people who will travel through life with you. Uh, travel through life and know your heart. A, a, a woman you're vulnerable and transparent with. A woman you stay with, as I told you about my friend Susan Larson, for 60 plus years who knows all my stories. And there's no way I can get away with anything with her. I'm grateful for that. So now we see that Hannah has gone with that husband who thinks he's better than 10 sons, who has the other wife, who has all the children, and she's prayed this prayer, and she's starting to weep and cry in the church. And Eli, he comes to her, and he's watching her, praying in her heart and silently. Her lips are moving, no sign, nothing is coming out of her mouth. And he accuses her of being drunk, of being drunk. And I think to myself, now there's a guy for you. He's the head of the church, and here she is is this guy number two? And I'm not male bashing. I'm just telling you that he, neither one of these men understood the agony, agony of her heart. And frankly, I only understand the agony of that slightly because it had been my dream from the earliest age I can remember that I would have six children. And the Lord gave me one. And I cried until I was 37 or 38 years old at least, saying, but I wanted five, I wanted five more. But that had not been God's plan for my life. So Hannah's prayer, as I read it, now Eli has accused her of this, and she says, Oh, no, oh, no, sir, please, I'm a woman brokenhearted. I haven't been drinking not a drop of wine or beer. The only thing I've been pouring out is my heart, pouring it out to God. Don't for a minute think I'm a bad woman. It is because I'm so desperately unhappy and in such pain that I've stayed here for so long. And Eli says to her, go in peace. I love that he says that. He says, go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me, she says, and pray for me. So I love this sort of reconciled peace. Uh, I'm sure that she told Elkanah that he was not better than 10 sons. I'm confident they went to the temple together as a family. Now the priest has accused her of being drunk. She clarifies that with him, and he accepts it and sends her off. So this all feels wonderful. And then there's the prayer. And the prayer, which I have read many times, and often when I read it, just, just the few phrases of it, I think, is that some sort of a... Hmm, bargain? Did she say, if you give me, then I will give you? 
is that a bargain? And I came to read it just recently, and I thought, oh no, this is a prayer that I've given a name to, and I've never heard anyone use this before. This is a sacrificial prayer. This is a sacrificial prayer. And as I read through this, I began to weep, and I thought, are my prayers sacrificial, God? I want you to know that I don't think they are very sacrificial. I think oftentimes I pray for someone so that their mess will go away. (laughs) Sometimes that mess affects me. (laughs) I pray for my husband that he will be more kind. Why? Because I don't want him to be unkind to me. I pray for, what is it you pray for and why is it you're praying for it? She prays for this child. She wants the child so badly that she makes a vow to God. It's not a bargain at all. It's a vow to God that says when this child is, if this boy, man, child comes and he is weaned, that she will take him to the temple. (gasps) It turns out it's going to be Eli who accused her of being drunk and leave her infant child just weaned, two years old, to be raised in the temple, in the church, what is a Nazarite vow, has lots of credentials and criteria to it. And I think that's a sacrificial prayer. That is God, I want a child so badly, and I want a child so badly who will grow up to love you and live his life for you that I will give this child back to you. And we we always talk about making sure that we know these children do not belong to us, that they belong to God, and he loaned them to us. And, and we tell you over and over and over and over. But here is the ultimate sacrificial prayer. Not just because I want a baby, Lord, because I want to write. And, and then I thought, I never thought about this before, She didn't have to do that. She could have prayed the prayer and got the baby and said, yeah, I'm keeping them. But the heart of Hannah is the heart of a sacrificial prayer. And I want to ask you to consider your prayers. Would you for as many days as the Spirit will remind you, as you pray, will you ask yourself, is this a sacrificial prayer? Is this a sacrificial prayer? I've been praying for a family recently, and because I asked myself this question, my prayer changed considerably. Because I believed I was praying with their best interest at heart, but I was also praying with their best interest at heart, believing that if they changed their way of life and the way they were doing things in life, then the net effect would be more calm and peace and reconciliation and less contempt in their household. And I thought, What is my prayer if I'm considering my prayer to be a sacrificial prayer? Well, well, the first thing I thought was that I would say, Oh, Lord, these circumstances are in your hands. You can stop it, start it, or reconfigure it. But I want to be a woman who is praying for your best in them, even if that means that I'm going to continue to be invested 
in your best with time and energy and resources. Oh, that was a very different prayer than I had been praying. So I don't know what your prayers might look like. And I don't know if we'll ever have a category called sacrificial prayer. And I don't know if I'm really uh, taking this vow more seriously that she has made than I ever did before. But I respect Hannah's desperate prayer to have what she believed God had called her as a woman to do, a child, a man-child, and then her vow to give that man-child back to you fully, fully, not just consecratedly, but physically and consecratedly. That is a sacrificial prayer. And I'm grateful for the Word of God that allows me to read that and understand that story. As you know, she had a son. His name is Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel went to live with Eli the priest. Quite a turn of events. And Eli the priest became his leader and director and helped Samuel to grow to be a leader, a judge, a prophet of the Israel people. I'm Donna Otto, this is Modern Homemakers, and we've been talking about Hannah and her sacrificial prayer. Thank you for joining us. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day, considering what is a sacrificial prayer.